we talked about death. <laughs> a subject which Skelebro knows a lot about. It is my favorite. You're certainly your area of expertise, my friend. I've done it many times, from both ends. Live for the Mundangerous Buried Secrets in New York City, I'm your host Shane. And I'm your host, Yishin. And welcome to episode 304 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. This is Actual Play Season 2, Episode 4. In this episode, we're playing through an adventure inspired by a deep and creeping darkness from the 5e Adventure Collection Candlekeep Mysteries. Tez Proudgale has been, I don't know, caught robbing a grave? Or I guess not robbing graves, because there were never bodies there. Honoring a grave, exhuming a grave for archaeological research. You know what? It's a long shot at this point, but still going for the reward of 5,000 crowns for killing the beast that is stalking the Thranish town of Vermilion. I feel like this is another situation where Tez's adventure ends in litigation. <laughs> <laughs> he should just uh, multiclass into barrister. <laughs> for real. <laughs> I mean, Bard. Bard is an excellent multiclass. <laughs> All right, when last we left Tez, uh, after he had just made his, his discoveries right around midnight in a graveyard, thematic, I suppose, he heard off in the distance a wail and then a screech. Meepo lets out a, a low, which, of course, Tez has heard a few times before in dungeons when Meepo's not happy about something. Meepo, keep that head knocker handy. He definitely loosens the sling, clutches his weapon of warning, his dagger of warning in his other claw, crouches just a little bit, gives a little, little shimmy. Seems like he's ready. Skelebro, can you tell if that sound's moving towards us or away from us? Uh, have Skelebro give me perception. Is it perception or survival? Hmm... You probably want it to be perception because he has advantage. Hmm, good point. But if you want to roll survival, I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, you've talked me out of it. <laughs> uh, oh, nice. Good start. Uh, 13 and a 17 is uh, 20 total. All right. Uh, so Scalabro cocks a pointed ear to the sky, and then he's, he starts taking long loping strides. Uh, to the other side of the graveyard. It seems pretty obvious. He's just sort of, he's trying to get a beat on the thing. And you can hear, again, a wail uh, followed by a series of screeches. And he turns back to you and says, It is moving closer. Slowly, but still closer. Boys, it's time to get that bread. And Tez draws a rapier and stalks off into the night, <laughs> looking for the sound. <laughs> you got to hunt it down. You're hunting the beast. All right. This is exactly what you're here for. Um, now, give me survival. Tez charges into the uh, underbrush <laughs> and then promptly lets Skelebro lead. You're bushwhacking. Yeah. Rap rapiers do that, right? Well, so do great swords. Uh, that's an eleven plus three is fourteen. It is literally the middle of the night. All of you have dark vision, though, uh, and remember, up here, it's the uh, eerie fog caused by the mean locks uh, isn't around. So, 
you're able to make your way through the underbrush relatively quickly, clambering over exposed roots, hacking through foliage when you need to. And Scalabro is taking you higher and higher through the foothills of the mountains, uh, always stopping, cocking an ear, uh, waiting and listening. And you can tell there's a pattern to the sounds that you're hearing. It's always a wail, followed by a screech or several screeches, never anything that you might call a roar. Give me... Hmm. What are Skelebro's skills again? There are so many. <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. Um, Skelebro is skilled in... <laughs> He's proficient in con saves, acrobatics, animal handling, nature, perception, stealth, and survival. Those are all good skills. But I don't think they're applicable skills. So have just Skelebro give me an intelligence check. He is not proficient in that. Uh, but the luck holds. Uh, 12 plus 0. 12. It's actually not bad on an intelligence check. Oh, wait. Do you guidance him? Because you can. That is, in fact, what guidance is for. Then I will guidance him. Because I can. Because that is, in fact, what guidance is for. Obviously. That'll be a 13, sir. As, All a, right. as a quick prayer to Elodra does its work. <laughs> Lucky number one. So Skelebro is leading you through, and you can tell he's looking at the ground, and after a while he stops looking at the ground. And he t- turns, he, at one point he turns his head quickly uh, to look at you and Meepo, who's scrambling over rocks on, on all fours, essentially. There are no tracks here, none whatsoever, which means I think we're on the right track. Who taught you puns? I learned from the best. Thank you. I meant a shard a lot. <laughs> <laughs> we both meant Meepo. <laughs> so he stops looking at the ground because he knows he's not going to find anything. And he's continuing to, you know, slow down and perk up his ears. And then a sort of confused look comes across his face. He stops and he turns to the two of you and says, Listen, t- listen to the whale. And if you stop and and listen to it, it it does feel like there's a meaning to it. So previously, you you would sort of conjectured maybe, maybe it's a banshee, right? Like what whales? Banshees whale. Mm-hmm. This isn't the kind of thing where you know you feel like you're in any danger of being frightened to death. This isn't this isn't even you know like a a cry of terror. If anything, it it sounds like a lament uh, or a a dirge. There's like a melody to this wail, uh, a cadence. And Scalibro looks at you and says, I think it is speaking. Do either of you understand its language? When you say language, Scalibro pauses and he gets that glassy look in his eyes like he does sometimes when he's remembering things. Mm -hmm. I think I did once, but no longer. In a previous life or a previous death. (sighs) Skelebro, you are a mystery wrapped in an enigma. Uh, 
I'm a skeleton wrapped in magical flesh. That too. Do, I mean, do you, like, do you mean it's like sounds that you recognize, but not words, or like it's like an, an a different dialect? I don't. You're not very descriptive, but so because you're now like putting your heads together, and Tez is sort of like trying to coax memories out of him. Go ahead and give me an intelligence check, but the three of you can kind of, kind of put your heads together, so Tez can make it, and he has advantage. And this is a good time to also pray to Aladra. I would agree. Twelve. And just straight intelligence? Mm-hmm. That's a big plus four, so that's going to be a twenty. Twenty's quite good on intelligence check. So... It's that that so, headband is glowing faintly in the, uh, <laughs> in the twilight. From carrying the whole party? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so... So when Scalabro was alive and a dragon cultist, he spoke elven and draconic and, and, you know, that version of common. He still speaks all those things now. He hasn't forgotten those languages. So what language could he have ever spoken that he would have forgotten? And it occurs to you that the undead speak their own language. Interesting. Mabarin. Yeah, uh, Mabarin or Mabarin? It depends on your accent. Oh, great. Well, whatever I just said is obviously the redneck one, apparently. (laughs) The college. Great. You know, and Lazar. Lazar? Hmm. (sighs) Yeah, I know. What would be speaking Mabarin? Why? We're so far from the... Nope, I don't know that. (laughs) Well, you are very far from the Moorland. We are far from the Moorland, but I don't know anything about Mabarin energy in the Moorland. That's true, but I mean the only thing you can think of that would speak Mabarin, especially given Skelebro's, um experience, is undead. You should be careful. They're likely undead, or at least working with undead. Well, nowhere to go but up. Lead the way, Skelebro. Uh Give me one more survival. And this is where Lodra doesn't help at all. That's a total of five plus three is eight. Nice. After another 20 minutes of trying to chase the sound, everything goes eerily quiet. There are no sounds of woodland creatures. There's no wail. There's no screech. And obviously there are no tracks. Mm. And then suddenly... A whale, and from off to the side, a sudden fog that seems to roll out across the ground and completely envelops all of you. You can't see anything. Mechanically speaking, everything around you is heavily obscured, and you effectively have the blinded condition. Remind me, we determined that this fog... Uh, was not a product of the mean locks, or it was. Uh, the fog, the like persistent fog in the town, you believe, is the mean locks. The sudden fog that precipitates an attack by the beast, you don't think is the mean locks thus far. You Perfect. think it's something that the beast is doing. Perfect. Uh, how does Meepo feel? Uh, the handle of that dagger, treating him. Mm, do you ask him? Out loud. Uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I suppose, like, I mean, Tez would 
be alerted too, I suppose, right? Magically? Yeah, you would be. Look out! And Tez hears a screech. And now this close, you hear it much more clearly. It sounds... Mm, give me a nature check. I'm not trained in nature, <laughs> but I am wearing a headband of intellect. You are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a 13 plus 4 is 17. Glows very brightly, but no one can see it. <laughs> it glows on the inside. It's like a router, you know? It just, like, occasionally <laughs> lights up. You know, it's always got a little green light, a faint green light to know it's connected. And then when it's actively processing, then it starts lighting up more. Now it's, that's five green lights stacked right. on top of one, each other. Oh, that's, um, I appreciate that you think I have five lanes of bandwidth. Five bars, right? <laughs> it's, it's a plus four. I have four bars. Tez has Max. a one-track mind. <laughs> it sounds inorganic. Like, if anything, metal scraping against metal. And you hear it very close to you. And... AC 22 on Tez. You know that I cannot be surprised, right? Do you know that you cannot be surprised? Uh, that does hit. Hold on, I need more D8s. Uh, actually, that is... Uh, I'm gonna push that over to uh, Scalabra. Okay. Um, Scalabra if... was taking point. I think it makes more sense to attack him. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so he gets attacked. This isn't him jumping in front. He doesn't love you. Fair enough. No, this is uh, so I am using the take a powerful blow party action. Right. Uh, so my sidekick becomes the target of an attack instead of Tez. Well, that's probably a good thing. Uh, you hear a, a grunt from Skelebro, which on which honestly, now that you think about, it, is probably the most you've ever heard him express pain. And he's taken some pretty deep gashes in your time together. He takes. Mm-hmm, he takes 25 slashing damage. It's not ideal. <clears throat> a seasoned warrior, Scalabro, in the fog, you can hear the grunt is uh, maybe 15 feet away from you. It feels like three swords at the same time. Like claws? Perhaps a great claw. Very large. And then you hear the screeching again, like metal on metal. And then like something slammed. Uh, roll initiative. 10 plus 3 is 13. Great. All right. You are up. Uh, how close did this thing land? Could I tell? How close is it to you? Yeah. Mm, go ahead and just give me a perception check. Uh, my passive perception is 12. <laughs> you can't tell. Uh, you could hear Scalabro about 15 feet away from you, so you would assume if he got attacked in melee that it is, you know, within at most 20 feet of him, depending on, like, what his reach is. Okay. But you would think a great beast this close to you, it should be much louder. You're hearing it make sounds, but you're not hearing footsteps or the sound of movement. Yeah, I mean, this is a... There's a mechanical sound to this. As an artificer, I'm leaning towards this as some type of, like, if not Warforged, then, like, Automaton is sort of where Tez's mind is headed. Interesting. But having an idea of 
of what it is is not uh, is not very helpful when he can't see it. <laughs> no, and you would need more evidence uh, in order to figure it out. Yeah, this is a pretty good idea of where Skelebro was. Begins to descend quickly in your direction. You don't know if it can see you, but I mean, if you're just talking to each other, you could obviously tell where each other are. Right, but Tez is in heavily obscured fog. Right. I feel like Tez is gonna do a fade uh, and hide. Okay. And attempt to uh, creep in the direction of Skelebro and try to, to get some sort of advantage on this creature. Alright. Go ahead and give me stealth. Uh, which I believe, since it is based on sound, I will have advantage from my boots. Yes. Uh, that's a crit. A 20 and a 2 gets me a 27. So are you... Oh, yeah, you're rogue. Are you doing this as a bonus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is my cutting action is to, to creep up. And I'm basically just trying to get next to Skelebro to figure out mm-hmm. what's going on. Um, and if uh, if I have an opportunity to attack this thing, I would like to attack it as well. But kind of secondary to getting into position right now. Uh, yeah, you head over to where you believe Skelebro is... And you can't see, but, you know, you can reach out with your hands and can uh, feel his elbow, and he sort of pushes back to acknowledge silently that he knows you're there. Um, and then you can feel his arm extend in a direction away from you, like if you kept moving past him. Mm-hmm. That seems to you to indicate where he thinks it is. Okay. How, uh... So a couple how, things how, here. You can you can like guess a location and attack that square essentially. You could also like move and see if you bump into it. Yeah, I I don't necessarily want to bump into it right now. Uh skill, how how far skill, bro? Ten feet, twenty feet, thirty feet? Just beyond the reach of my sword. So about ten feet he thinks. I'm gonna toss a fairy fire scroll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a 20 foot cube so I guess I'm sending it 10 feet beyond that uh, and I would like to light up the area in a violet light <laughs> any creature in the area when the spell is cast is outlined in light if it fails a dexterity saving throw okay so before you do that anything that fails the save can't benefit from being invisible can't benefit from being invisible. Right, and then uh, we'll be outlined and shed dim light. Dim but light. But you, you still won't be able to see the light. It will still be heavily obscured because you're blinded. Now, if it leaves the fog, mm. and and I'll I'll say this, like, it if it's giving off light and it's, you know, if it's essentially glowing, I'll say that, like, when you're next to it, you can tell where it is. Does that make sense? Like, you're not going to walk right by it and totally miss it. I'll take it. Okay. All right. Fairy fire is 20-foot cube. That's a two. That will not succeed. 17. Ooh, and a 20. It made... Wait, it made three rolls? Three moles... Three rolls were made. Oh, okay. Uh, Well, now i got to figure out what the... Uh, let see. Hold on. Uh, what it's a first level scroll, so I think it's a, like a twelve or thirteen. Was it just so, fixed? It's not based on my casting, right? Oh, okay. Which is good and bad. Sure. 
a... So you're still standing next to Scalabro, right? Uh, I am, but I'm going to start walking that direction. <laughs> All right. You move just five feet in front of Scalabro, and before you suddenly looms a 15-foot-high glowing object. So you can see the out... You can see a, a vague outline, but you can't tell what it is, and you can't see details. Is it moving? Or is it, like, statuesque? It's not stock still. Um, okay. It You can see, like, it has what you would guess are limbs or appendages that are moving and swinging. Tez walks up with his rapier out, puts his hands on his hips, and says, What are you? <laughs> and then, for good measure... He repeats it in Draconic. <laughs> Just to check. You know, you're, Just... here, you're here for a reason. And then next round, he'll try Dwarvish and Elvish. <laughs> uh, all right, so that was your bonus, uh, your move, and your action. Yeah, exactly. Great. Um, do you want to use any party actions before it goes? Not yet. Okay. Well, actually, it'll be... This is... It'll be top of the round, because it went first. Hmm. So this will be the end of the round. So they're going to refresh at the beginning of your turn. So after this thing goes. So you can use them now, you can use it after it goes. So I basically I still have one action left. Right. Uh, sorry, one one uh, party action. Exactly. Because I have proficiency bonus. I don't especially want to attack this thing. Mm. Uh, especially if Skelebro thinks it was speaking. <sighs> Tess doesn't really want to go slaughtering intelligent things. Like, that's not really his deal. <sighs> Uh, he's 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 just gonna ready. Uh, I think is is the best thing for him to do. So I will use my. Yeah, yeah. So Tez will just ready. Uh, if if it makes a hostile action towards Tez, he's mm -hmm. gonna hit it with a rapier. Okay. Or can I? Uh, I can I ready a cantrip? I can't. Right. You can ready anything that you could do as an action. Well, then I'll ready a booming blade. It makes a hostile action towards Tez. Okay. Well, Booming Blade it is. Does it answer the question first, at least? Uh, it does not, but there is a, a moaning... A moan. Um, a moaning wail. Okay. And would you say that I can see it now? <laughs> you can see where it is. Still, it, the fog means no detail. You can tell that it's 15 feet tall, and you can tell that it's uh, one of its... Appendages is rearing back. You hear the metal on metal screech. You can see something almost like spinning at the end of its mm -hmm. appendage. Again, a uh, yeah. So is this a is this a disadvantage situation or just a flat roll situation now? Flat roll, actually. Okay, I'll take it. <sighs> Tez, we're gonna have to do better than this, buddy. Uh, eight plus something, which is probably not enough. Uh, eight plus six is 14 versus AC. It's not bad at this level, but it misses. Yeah. Okay. It's hard to tell where it is, even though it has a lot of bulk. And you stab with the rapier, it actually, you seem to find like a hole in it because it just passes through air. Mm. And then you can feel the rapier sort of like clang. Again, against something that sounds inorganic. Is this clockwork? What is going on? What are you? There's no answer. 
That is 22 AC. It's has to take it. I think no. I think uh I think Skelebro is still with Tez. Uh yeah, I think they stepped forward together, and so I still think Skelebro is the target. Well, actually, wait. Skelebro has that protection style reaction. He could use his reaction to force disadvantage. Against Tez. Right. But it would have to stick to Tez. Yes. Uh, okay, yeah, well, I like that Well, I mean, no, you know, if you spend the points, it, it's fine. You could try the reaction first, and if it doesn't, then you could spend the... Oh, then I could still... Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we'll use protection fighting style to uh, disadvantage. Well, well, well. That's a 14 AC. Against Tez? That will not mm -hmm. hit. Oh, all right. So, Skelebro... So, you hear the clang again as Skelebro throws his greatsword up wildly, even though he can't see. Uh, sort of in front of, or in between Tez and whatever the creature is. And uh, you hear you hear the sound of metal on metal. <clears throat> and it wails almost, almost in frustration. Gilbert, what is this? Is it clockwork? What is this thing? I'm unsure. It feels alive, but not alive. <sighs> Meepo, can you see anything? Can you hear us? Come, come to us. You can hear his little feet, his bare feet on on the ground. And then you can sort of feel him behind you. Mm, Meepo cannot see anything, but Meepo does not necessarily want to see anything right now. <laughs> okay, be brave, Meepo. It's okay. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, always brave. Sometimes practical. Perhaps it is time to run away. Or... Tactically retreat. Dagger of warning says it is time to go. It, it does not say that. It is it was Meepo. Oh, look, if we don't deal with this, it's gonna be somebody else's problem, okay? Meepo has great and powerful magic. I know, I know. Um Okay, it is Tez's turn though, right? Mm-hmm. Uh I think it makes sense for Tez to booming blade again. Okay. Straight roll. <laughs> okay, this is one better. <laughs> Nine plus six is fifteen. Oh, uh, that's gonna miss too. Again. Okay. It, Great. It's hard to tell where anything is in the fog, and you don't think you swing wildly, but it goes wild. I think this. I think it's immune to rapiers. <laughs> what, what could be immune to magical rapiers, boys? How did you know? <laughs> it's, it's my homebrew. Pillow golem. <laughs> uh, do you want the others to do anything before it goes? Uh, this would be end of the round, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think we'll just... I'll have them both attack. I mean, you know, I think that makes sense that we're yeah. we're grouped up now. Like, let's start wailing on this thing. Sounds good. Um, so I'll, I'll do Skelebro first. Uh, so he has 16 strength and a plus. 16 strength. Oh, that's a crit. Oh, that's a that's a kangaroo crit, twenty five. So that's thirteen on the dice plus two is fifteen damage with the greatsword. He has nature, right? Uh, yes, he does. Have him give me a nature check. Nineteen, an improved critical nature check. <laughs> <laughs> so, when Tez hit, it, so Tez has been hearing the sounds of metal on metal, Scalabro slashes with a greatsword and it seems to make an excellent connection 
and you can hear like the the scraping of of the sword. You don't hear it cry out in pain, uh, but you do hear a different kind of scraping. And Scalabro says, "I think there's stone here too." Stone, golem of some sort. Told you it's a pillow golem. Yeah. Uh, uh, Meepo attacks. Uh, actually, uh, I would like to activate second wind for for Scalabro as well. Yes. Bonus action to D10 plus four. Yeah, so that's uh, four plus four is eight hit points. He's up to 23 hit points. Our very tanky elf. I think this is a head knocker situation for Meepo. It's just kind of what he does. It is. It's true. Does it have a head? Mm Mm-hmm. But he's going to knock it. Let's find out. This is a... Well, look, okay, it's dark. <laughs> it's a one. <laughs> Meepo hasn't dialed in the cannon yet, all right? He's got to range his artillery. Look, all right, the the sling bullet obviously goes wild. Uh, but you can hear, like, the thwack uh, as it uh, hits into a, a tree. Pretty pretty hard, you know. He knows what he's doing when he's able to see things. Oh, there's trees up here, you say? There are trees up here. Okay. It's not the sound of this tree-like amalgamation golem monstrosity? It's a tree ant golem, yeah. Okay. All right, it goes, and all three of you are bunched up. Yeah, I figure if there's a breath weapon, this is a good time for it. Yeah, you hear a... And then a roar. As fire envelops all of you. Dexterity saving throw. The good news is... We are, to a man, decent at dexterity saves. Except for the elf. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the elf is not a man. Okay, uh, so Meepo has a 15. Skelebro has... Oh, pretty good. A 14... 11 dex is zero, right? So Mm -hmm. just a 14. Just a 14. 17 plus 5 is 22 for Tez. All right. Tez definitely succeeds. Meepo succeeds and is able to duck behind Scalabro, who fails and takes the full brunt of, hold on, I need more D8s. Ah, yes. A classic number of D8s. 29 fire damage. Half on a successful save. Uh, so 14. Okay. So... Meepo is quite scorched. Skelebro is lying on the ground in a heap. And Tez is not doing so great. You hear the metal-on-metal screech again as something heavy bunks into place. Skelebro? No response. Or he is down. Uh, Skelebro? Tez, like, feels around, uh, like, next to him with, like, you know, one hand on a rapier and one hand, like, feeling half blind on the ground. So you find Skelebro lying there? Uh, yes, yes, he does. In okay. in heap. Um, I will remind you, you are a thief, so you can use items as bonus actions. Which is what I was headed towards with my three potions of healing. Hmm. <laughs> so uh, once I once I find Skelebro, I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm going to... Uh, unstopper a vial and uh, pour as much of it down his throat as I can manage while watching out for the next attack of this monstrosity. 2d4 plus 2. 
Alright, that is six plus two is eight hit points for the bro. Who is now conscious and splutters a bit. Uh, up, 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 up. This is my first drink in 2,000 years. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sorry that it was dime store hooch. <laughs> but is this, is this chamomile? <laughs> it's probably, yes. Uh... Oh boy, this isn't going well. We gotta, we gotta do something to change this up. Uh, Meepo, bless me. So that's gonna be two points. Uh, both, yep, both that, of your points from Nikasa's spell. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, and he blesses all of you. Yeah, correct. Meepo seems actually quite happy to be called upon in this manner, uh, and mutters an arcane incantation, and all of you feel just a bit luckier. All right, uh, with the extra D four. Tez has got his swagger back. <laughs> and now it's time to booming blade and duck out of the way. All right. 13 plus three is 16 plus six plus six is 22. Finally, that connects. And I have, an, I have an ally within range. So I also get sneak attack. Sneak attack. Finally. Uh, I don't think booming blade adds extra damage until he moves, right? Uh, right, not at this level. Alright, good rolls. Uh, 5 and 4 and an 8, so that's 9. 17 plus 4 is 21 magical rapier damage. Uh, again, you connect and feel your rapier dunk into what feels inorganic metal, and then as you pull back, you can hear the scraping of wood. Oh, stone at least sharpens the blade. Oh, what's terrible. Even magical blades don't, <laughs> you don't, oh. So now it sounds and feels anyway like metal, stone. It doesn't make a sound when you uh, stab it, but you can feel the, just for a moment, the minor vibrations that your booming blade sets up. So you know if it moves, it'll be hurt. Tez can't move uh, without triggering uh an opportunity attack right now but the others well let let me remind you that you can only take opportunity attacks against things you can see uh right but presumably it can see tez let me remind you that you've been making straight rolls i'm not trying to make an opportunity attack against it i'm concerned about it making attacks of opportunity against me yeah it's a, it's a valid concern potentially it's a potentially valid concern are you saying, does Tez get the impression that this thing can't see him very well? As it has landed it, three it, straight hits and also <laughs> breathed fire on us? But it has not done things like reposition perfectly. It uh, Fair. Uh, all right, fine. We're all backing off. All of you. Boys, back away, back away, back away. Uh, and you all take a chance and start backpedaling and it doesn't swing. Slow and steady. <laughs> uh, I also think I need to take a uh, constitution saving throw for my fairy fire, now that I mention it. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. All right, so you took 14 damage, so it's still DC 10. 10. Right? Yeah, it's fine. I rolled an 11, so it's a 12. All right, are the others doing anything before it goes? Uh, well, I use both reactions, right? So... Mm -hmm. uh, okay. 
I don't have any party actions left. I think all, all they can really do is, is move with me. You hear a crack like thunder. Eight damage. And this time you hear two bones simultaneously. And then only Skelebro can hear what uh, sound like heavy footsteps retreating. Retreating? Mm-hmm. And as you wait in the fog, it slowly dissipates, and the fog is gone. All around you, there are absolutely no signs of battle, except for the ones that you left, and scorched earth. Skelebro's wounds. Ah. Are they consistent with the uh, with the attacks that the other bodies have shown? Absolutely. You have a few diagrams of some of the other wounds. They're exactly the same distance apart. Three great gashes that, if you didn't know any better, would look much like a one very large claw. Right. Or paw with three claws. There was no pattern of time of day with these attacks, right? They seem to be random. And there wasn't much pattern of place either. Mm -hmm. Except centered on this town, and then slowly more and more centered on this town, as in right. distance from this town. All right, we have to, we have to, we have to get patched up, but we, we've got it on the run. We, we, we can't let it escape. Boys, we're here. We're on the hunt now. This is what we live for. And Tez is just shaking his head. This is not what we live for. <laughs> this is, this is not it. All right, how do you want to get patched up? Short rest, potions, magic. Uh, I I think we need to take a short rest. I think it's just a short rest. I don't I don't see a way around it. Uh, so that's an hour waiting in the woods. I know, but I don't. I mean, we don't have any way of really doing it faster. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we just don't have a more reliable way of doing it. All right, you take a short rest. Roll your hit dice. All right. All right. So you want to try to track this thing down? Give me survival. They're all putting their heads together on this one with some prayers that is a 19 plus one plus whatever Skelebro's survival is 3 23 23 is excellent Skelebro knows that if there were any tracks he would be able to find them and he finds absolutely none he just shakes his head and says there is no tracking this thing we need more information Mm, we need to lure it somewhere then at the very least, we have our wounds to show for it, so perhaps we can delay the payment of the reward, given there's been another attack to report. And Tez trudges off back to town, <laughs> kicking rocks the whole way. You make it to town pretty uneventfully. It doesn't seem to track you down again. And you can see it is now a few hours before dawn. Are all the Templars still awake and spending their unearned gold. <laughs> uh, no one's been paid yet, it seems. Um, the town actually is very quiet. Everyone seems to be resting, or, or perhaps it's just the habit that everyone's been staying indoors at night and not venturing out because people have been murdered in the dark. Uh, the only different thing that you see is the body of the chimera still sitting on the cart in the town square. And a, a lone figure standing near the chimera, dressed in robes with 
the livery of the silver flame. I, I don't recognize the figure. Uh, no. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, and their back is to you, but they're near the chimera. And I feel like Tez is going to get himself punched in the mouth here. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. This hurts. This hurts me. Hey, Duamel, nice new robe. I hope you haven't paid that reward yet. Uh, the figure turns, and Tez can see it's a woman. In fact, a pretty old woman uh, who smiles at you and gestures you over and says, it's not safe to be out at night these days. I uh, I gesture over at our uh, <laughs> battlefield-like patched wounds <laughs> and point out it's not safe for them to be out at night either <laughs> we haunt these we haunt the nights now oh yes adventuring types are always quite sure of yourselves i've seen many of you die face down in the mud it's a terrible tragedy mm. and she looks over at the chimera and puts a puts a hand on it says terrible beasts roam the woods I'm glad you made it back safely. Mm, this is not the beast that roams the woods. This is a false one, an imposter, a plant, a dupe, a ruse. Gee. Certainly not worth 5,000 gold. Probably buy one in the trade market for less. She uh, turns her head up from the chimera, looks up at you uh, with like a quizzical look and says, oh, perhaps you are bitter that you're not getting paid. No, I'm bitter that I'm the one hunting the actual beast while everyone chases their own tail, not knowing that there are two beasts. Two separate sources of the attacks, clear as day. She kind of like dodders over to you and puts a hand on your shoulder, sort of pats you and says, it's all right, it's all right. Many mercenaries came here looking for looking to make their fortune, I'm sure there will be other opportunities, many other marauding, terrible beasts for you to slay. You should perhaps get on to bed. It is late. It's very good for young people to get their rest. Who, what are you doing here? Ah, I am Bishop Barafascarda. She turns and looks around and says, I was stationed here during the war, so I was sent to... Present the reward. Well, you've been sent early, as I said. Uh, how long were you here in the war? Oh, it's hard to remember. Five or six years? I did love this town. Were you here during the, uh, the, uh, the accident? He says, hmm? Accident? Well, there were many accidents. Many bad things happened. The, uh, the industrial accident, I guess. Mm, I don't really know exactly what you're talking about. And I assume you would like to give me an insight check. I would like to give you an insight check. I would like one of my companions to give you an insight <laughs> check. <laughs> sure. All right. <laughs> Meepo, ever the clever one. <laughs> <laughs> with a with a big twelve minus two is ten on his insight check. <laughs> nice, nice. So Meepo looks up uh, and says, mm, "Be nice to the nice lady." Uh, and she looks down at him, and 
in a manner that does not seem necessarily fitting for a bishop of the silver flame. Uh, she smiles, reaches into her pocket, and pulls out what looks like a hard sweet and hands it over to Meepo, who is delighted to have it and eats the entire thing, wrapper and all. Tez, before kind of realizing that you're not supposed to eat the wrapper, sort of gags it up a little bit um, and then swallows it. Tez face palms. Mm. <laughs> yes, she is very nice. As you can tell, we are not hardened mercenaries seeking only coin. Uh, as I've yet to see a mercenary except hard candy from an old lady, and he like turns and glares at Meepo. <sighs> I am a rogue archaeologist from the university. Uh, I was sent here to investigate uh, these reports of attacks. Uh, in the course of my study, uh, I have determined and proven, uh, and I, like, Tez points to, like, like peels back some bandages, points to Skelebro's, like, claw marks, right? Like, kind of points out all the battle wounds, the, the general uh, singed nature of all of our clothing. Um, and, and I assure you that if you pay 5,000 gold today... Within a week, <laughs> you'll be asking for a refund and still burying villagers. She takes your hands in, in her hands and pats your, your hand, looks up in, into your eyes and says, I'm sure, I'm sure. That's that's definitely true. Uh, I would more, like... more Grave I... University. You know, I, I always wanted to go there, but... And she shrugs. We were at war. Fine yes. school. Fine school. Thank you. I I appreciate uh, I appreciate those words. I am trying desperately to convince her. <laughs> uh, she seems to in no way take you seriously whatsoever, and you know, eventually she sort of turns back to the uh, chimera and is just sort of gazing at it, uh, almost like like a like one might watch National Geographic. She's obviously impressed by it. Uh, Chimera are magical beasts, right? Mm-hmm. All right. If she is impressed by it, Tez is going to start spinning a fat load of absolute bullshit <laughs> about the Chimera as a species uh, and why it, like, this Chimera in particular is not capable of having uh, performed the atrocities that have been attributed to it. Uh, and so he'll he'll point out the uh, you'll notice the claws, uh, clearly. First of all, too many. You'll notice this has lion's paws, not draconic claws. Uh, all of the claw wounds have had three claws, while lions clearly have four claws. Where did the other claw go? Uh, you'll also notice one head is draconic. Chimera are capable of speech. They do not simply wail uh they do not roar they speak uh the the wailing you'll notice a head of a goat have you ever heard a goat wail perhaps they whine perhaps they bleat but there's no wailing in any of their larynxes S simply put the i grew up on a farm i think you'd be surprised at the kinds of noises goats make i'm sure you'll also notice that there were no lion prints 
anywhere near any of these attacks. There was no signs of struggle or of landing, and everyone knows that a chimera must land in order to utilize its full weight, in order to put its full weight behind its claws. Its wings are simply not strong enough to hover in place and attack. So how has, in all of the series of attacks, there not been a single paw print? It's simply not possible. So while you're, like, putting on this show, I'm imagining you're sort of, like, circling the chimera, right? You go to the front, pull up the paw, show her the paw, right? You, like, walk over to the dragon's head. You're, like, pulling the mouth open, point, you know, things like that. This is full-on, like, like docent at the museum pointing, like, you know, everything to point out about this piece of artwork. All right. Give me uh, your choice, perception or investigation, with advantage. Ah, my choice is investigation. Uh, I didn't have time to guidance, but Elantra looked out for me. Uh, That will be a 16 plus 4s, 20. Elantra knows that you guidance when you can, you know. And, like, when when you're in the middle of a con, you can't just go casting spells. This isn't even a con. (laughs) (laughs) So you're laying it on really thick, and she seems to be humoring you. Um, You know, looking down at the paw, looking down at the, like, gazing down the, the dragon head's maw. But as you're circling, you sort of notice a couple of things about this chimera. The fur is a little less thick, maybe a little more matted than you would expect for a healthy specimen. The goat's legs on which it stands, uh, you notice some patchiness around the ankles that look worn away from abrasion. If you had to guess... Yeah, it's been it's been kept in captivity. Exactly. Now I just need to figure out how to prove it. Uh, and when you're when you're sort of like done and you made your final presentation, she again looks up at you and sort of reaches up and pinches your cheek and shakes a little bit. She says, that was very interesting, and I'm sure you're absolutely right. Uh, and then just then there's a very loud peal of thunder in the distance, and she looks up and says, oh, I think it might rain. Time to get inside. And then she, again... Daughter's off toward the inn. Come, come, come in. We should bring the specimen with us, and Tyson Skelebro will. I, I think it's on like a, a cart, right? So mm-hmm. they'll they'll pick up like one handle each and start dragging it to follow. Uh, there are stables, and she sort of motions toward the stables if you want to put it in there. But she heads inside. Bishop, before you go in, uh, who 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 brought this? Uh, who is who is credited with killing it? And she beams a big smile. Ah, the regulars of the most perpetual army of adoration. As the highest authority of both church and state in Thrain, are you not tasked with upholding Thrainish law? She looks right at you, and for just a moment, her eyes seem harder, not twinkly and jolly. And she says, with a smile, I am Thrainish Law. And then she turns around and goes inside. Uh, Bishop, Bishop, I'm so sorry. And the door slams. 
guess Tez will follow her back inside. <laughs> uh, do you put the chimera in the stable first? Uh, yeah, yeah, to keep it dry out of the rain. And okay, so you put it in the stable. Uh, you come out and head to the front door, and you look up and realize there are no clouds in the sky. Hmm. Magical thunder, huh? Certainly not going to rain. Uh, and you head inside, and you can see a tired-looking Lucas behind the bar. Um, a couple of regulars passed out uh, at their tables, and definitely no old woman. Lucas, mm. how are you? You have news for me? I do. I've left more than flowers on her uh, on her headstone. She'll be honored for a long time. I guess you could say I left perpetual flowers. You won't need to replace them nearly as often. He gives you a long look, and then seems to soften and says... Right. Maybe I misjudged you. And he uh, looks over at Scalabro and nods and actually seems to give a bit of a, bit of a half smile. Scalabro says, We talked about death. <laughs> a subject which Scalabro knows a lot about. It is my favorite. You're certainly your area of expertise, my friend. I've done it many times from both ends. Uh, Lucas, uh, it's, it's late. Uh, did you see the Templar walk in and he gives a grimace just do a mel uh sorry uh it's late the bishop he gives an even bigger grimace and says Ascarda yes she headed up to her room what's uh what's your read on uh on her there's no read she was in charge of this place for a decade during the war that one look out for her yes she uh Seems to be engaged in a bit of a cover-up. Always was. She plays old fool well, but killed that chimera nearly single-handed. She did. Oh, you didn't hear? These idiots, and he jerks his head over at the passed-out regulars, are the ones who actually killed it, but she's the one who froze it in midair with a spell. Do you think that she's the one who bought it from the market as well? He raises an eye and says, I remember you were asking questions earlier, about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Talk to me in the morning. I've got some things to show you. Lucas, I'm very concerned now that I might not make it till morning. Give me persuasion. Possibly persuading for my life. <laughs> 12 plus 7 is 19. He thinks for a moment, slowly takes off his apron, and says, well, if it's the last thing we do, let's make it a good one. And he motions you out the door. He leads them out into the foggy village, and they all feel that familiar sense of being watched right between their shoulder blades. Lucas looks around suspiciously and then casually leads them into the stables. Inside, there's just the dead chimera and the horses of the Tynardal. And he seems to relax a bit now that there's definitely nobody around. He narrows his eyes and looks right at Tez and says, if there's one thing I've learned living all those years under Ascarda, it's that you can never be too careful. Wait, 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 wait. And uh, Tez taps a couple objects around us uh, using his magical tinkering, and they just start playing white voice. <laughs> Ha <laughs>
How many objects? Three objects. <laughs> I have a maximum of four, and I'm not screwing up his wife's grave. Okay. Okay, that sounds about right. Right. After Tez's display of magical prowess, Lucas seems to grow a little bit less tense. She used to run this place like it was her own little kingdom. You know, they said nothing happened here without her knowledge. I say nothing happened here without her say-so. There wasn't an industrial accident eight years ago. Those people were murdered. Killed in cold blood. And she knows exactly why. And now she's come to clean up the mess. I don't know why she's back or what game she's playing. But if you want to stay alive, stay out of her way. But the biggest kindness I could give you for the kindness you've shown to my wife is to tell you to leave and never come back. I'll, I'll cut you in on the reward uh, if, if that's what you're concerned about. Okay, but this this has to stay between us. There's There's two different attacks going on here. One are caused by creatures that are fae that are preying upon the sadness, the sorrow, the malaise, I believe, originating from the accident. Then there's the creature. We fought it a few hours ago. It ran away from us, and we weren't able to track it any further, but it is certainly, and I, I point to the chimera, not that... And I, I will point to Skelebro's wounds and, like, <laughs> three giant claw gashes across his chest versus, you know, four small lion paws. <laughs> like, simply, which one matches the victims, Lucas? Look, they're not the same. You fought the thing and you lived? You don't have to believe it, but look. It, he looks at Skelebro who nods. I think we scared it. I, frankly, I don't think it expected a fight. I think it expected easy prey, and we weren't that, so I don't know. Uh, what did it look like? It seems to have multiple uh, shapes. It it brought the the fog with it. Uh, it. It had this the wail and the roar that was described. It, it was mechanical, though. There was a sense of metal sliding against metal and locking into place it felt like striking stone at times it felt like striking wood it was organic but inorganic uh at, at times i would have sworn it was clockwork the way that my blade slipped through empty air and clanged against something metallic lucas's jaw stiffens mm. i think i know exactly what that thing is and if i'm right then you were right to ask about the accident. It's a weapon of war, isn't it? I told you. We've all done things we're not proud of. And the accident wasn't an accident. It was one of your war machines malfunctioning, wasn't it? They weren't our war machines, per se. It was House Caneth. People like to blame the Dragonmarked houses, but we invited them in. Thrain. And before they built, what do they call them? The Warforged? Before they built them, they had larger, bigger, dumber ones, but much more deadly. Fifteen feet tall, covered in armor, like a walking tank, but with swords. 
they flew. Flew? Hmm. No. No, they had these huge pedestal-like feet that would stomp through town as they would come and go on their missions. There weren't even that many of them, but you could hear them in the distance, the screech as they would swap out their weapons. And they say, one day, eight years ago, one of them just went berserk. It, the first people it killed was its own crew. They, they had these platforms where soldiers could stand on them and they could operate as a unit. It just eviscerated them. Nobody knew why. I heard they weren't even in uniform, just doing regular maintenance when it attacked them. And it ran off with their bodies still dangling on the platforms. Thought that was the end of it, but the next night, it came back and killed 12 people, all civilians. Well, after that, the regulars were called in to hunt it down. Who do you think? Ascarda. She didn't take too kindly to something bad happening on her watch. Just threw men at the problem. But it worked. The attack stopped. But I'll tell you, a few days later, people tell you things when you work at a bar. Feel like they can tell you things they can't even tell their own families. And there was a, this young Kenneth Scion deep in his cups who seemed really distraught. And he told me they hunted the thing and hoped they destroyed it, but they weren't sure, and they were too afraid to get close, so they just buried the whole thing. Mm. Along with the bodies. Just two dead soldiers in a war machine in an unmarked grave. But you happen to know where they buried it. Must have been pretty close to town. Soldiers weren't gone that long. Could even be in town. At the time, there are lots of places for things like that to hide, but I'll tell you, told you the dead walk the woods but if there are any two souls around here who deserve to be restless it's those two uh I don't suppose you remember their names mm, names uh, a long time uh it was the mage right dash and the scout was grieve yeah they had a uh had a funeral at the cemetery they're not buried in their graves. Uh, Sounds like they're still buried with the beast. I told you we deserved whatever it was that was killing us. Maybe you should just let it keep doing its thing. Well, Lucas, I've done a lot of stupid things on this trip. Trusting you hasn't been one of them. Now I'm going to ask you to trust me. We're going to kidnap the bishop. And we'll find out what happens next, next week. All right, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane at Mundangerous, that's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Edition at Evil Sense Carne, that's Malice minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show at TPTCast. You can also email us at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.totalpartythrill.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at Total Party Thrill. And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes. So what do we have planned for next week's episode? We are finishing our playthrough of an adventure inspired by a deep and creeping darkness. 
Well, that's it for episode 304 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. 